welcome to a very special episode of the Patient Convert Podcast, and that is because it is our 50th episode. It is. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited. So this episode is going to kick off a healthcare marketing series that we're going to be featuring here on the podcast with my co-host and some special guests. But today's topic is... Med spa marketing. We're going to be talking, as Kelly said, through a series. Some will have uh, guest specialists. Some will just be Kelly and I. But we really want to focus on a lot of different subspecialties because there's nuances in them. While there's a lot of principles that remain the same, uh, we want to talk to specifics that work really well in each of those, whether it's paid advertising or SEO or reputation, all of that stuff. So really excited. Um, they're not going to be all in a row, but yeah, tune in and we'll more than likely be covering your specialty at some point. And we are looking for guests for each of the specialties as they uh, come about. But I'm excited about today's topic. It's a space in aesthetics that we have worked a lot in, so we're extremely familiar with it. So I think we'll be able to uh, provide a lot of insights to the listeners yeah, out there, sure. med spa owners, um, uh, maybe uh, plastic surgeons that have a med spa kind of underneath that umbrella, all of that kind of stuff about how to drive more patients because that's really what matters, especially for elective non-insurance based uh, procedures. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're talking about. So today is all about medical spa marketing strategies, what you need to do, what you should avoid, and effective ways to get it done. I'll also mention a little bit, not only from the provider perspective of some of this marketing, but how a staff too can support the marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So getting started, uh, we're going to go through kind of a couple different things that are really, really critical. First and foremost, it's probably one of the things I think MedSpot spend the most time at and probably fail the most consistently (laughs) at, and that is social media, Mm -hmm. what platforms, how to build engagement, and how to create content. So that could could and should be, and you, I'm sure as a MedSpot owner, see a lot of people out there having tremendous success because the procedures you offer in nature warrant themselves to a lot of visuals, before and afters, patient stories, all of that kind of stuff. So that warrants huge potential uh, in terms of success on social media. So let's talk about a little bit of the platforms of choice because I think that's important to make sure that you're focusing on the right platforms and then we'll kind of talk about um, some of the engagement growth and content stuff. So with medical spas, um, some of the social media platforms that we have found very successful as far as driving new patients and creating brand and thought leadership is going to be Facebook. Instagram is a really big one. And even TikTok is starting to come into play. But you have to keep in mind, TikTok does still appeal to a much younger audience. For sure. Um, The good thing is, is unlike a lot of other subspecialties, there is a younger audience um, ability, especially that like 18 to 22, which is big on TikTok because you're offering some lower level services like uh, dermaplaning and chemical peels, uh, things that are appropriate for an 18 to 22 year old to get from a maintenance standpoint. So there is a market there, microdermabrasions, laser hair removal, all of that stuff you can market effectively on TikTok. But I agree with you, Kelly. I think where we spend the most time, where we encourage our our practices to spend the most time is Facebook and Instagram. And mainly Instagram. Yeah, I think Instagram is really the sweet spot um, currently in this landscape. And YouTube can be another big one. Uh, But again, that's typically a video conduit in terms of you should be creating a lot of video. We're going to be talking about that. So you can use 
that as a, I think really as a hosting platform, but I still think Instagram is going to be your main I was going to say the difference with YouTube with this particular specialty is it's not that it's not going to help your marketing or thought leadership. Aesthetics offers a great quick impact on viewers through before and after. And not a lot of other specialties have such a visual difference in their before and after. Um, and that's why these platforms that we're mentioning are are really great platforms. And YouTube sometimes tends to be more educational or longer, which again, we still encourage YouTube. It just, I think that you can really utilize Yeah, especially if you're going through the video creation process as we're talking about. Uh, it, it's also a good way to host a lot of the video that you should be in turn displaying on your website. You can put it up on YouTube, um, especially if you're doing demos and stuff. It's a good way. But yeah, for the sake of this conversation, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram in particular should get a lot of your focus. And let's talk a little bit about hashtags, especially as they relate. We'll we'll have the conversation kind of around Instagram because it'll follow through to some of the other platforms. But what what are your opinions on the hashtags or going about finding good hashtags, whether they're geographical focused or procedural focused to get in front of women and a growing market of men? So hashtags are really important, believe it not, believe it or not, they do serve a purpose and in a very important purpose. And I'm going to tell you two reasons that hashtags, they increase your visibility for the potential search. They help you narrow down your target audience. And if this is something important to you as becoming a thought leader, actually when different individuals are reaching out for people that are big in the space, they utilize hashtags as far as how they're ranking in their content, engaged audience. So it can even help you boost your network or your presence beyond visibility, but even in a ranking standpoint as an influencer yourself. So it really does come into play. So hashtag we're going to talk, they're huge on LinkedIn and huge on Instagram. They are used in Facebook, but not as effectively as what we're going to talk about through Instagram. Yeah, it's not as much like Instagram. It really is a valuable way to find good content. Not as much is it used as a tool like that and in that means on Facebook. And I think that's what makes it such a powerful driver on Instagram is it really is people can follow them and it becomes part of their feed. And so it is really kind of a go-to tool on Instagram for people to purely just find stuff. So this is what hashtags do. They improve your visibility with your content because hashtags have large followings, millions, hundreds of thousands of followings. And this is your target audience, whether it's colleagues or patients. So it's going to improve the visibility of your posts because now instead of just your followers, you're adding a big followed hashtag to a larger audience, like I said, that could be millions and hundreds of thousands. Another thing is hashtag helps you kind of define your content. This is where you get to talk about what you are best. So this is where you can put a brand hashtag, a practice hashtag, or surgeon, plastic surgeon, medical spa is what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. Aesthetics is a really popular hashtag. So this is where you define yourself. And then thirdly, where you can target your key audience. So we're talking about finding the right patients, right, Justin? So some of these patients are following popular hashtags that may not just be surgery. You know, they're really defining what type of patient avatar profile is something you need to look through and what are the hashtags they're following, even if it doesn't quite relate directly to the post. So we have aesthetics. Let's say we do hashtag aesthetics, hashtags, medical spa, obviously those Botox, injectables. But what type of individual is also following those hashtags? Yeah, and that's a good point. I think what's really important and when when I look at people that are, are 
struggling with growth and engagement, um, oftentimes you can go straight to their Instagram and you can see a slew of almost full sentence based hashtags. Oh, that's they're like, Yeah. <laughs> and again, if you click on a hashtag that you just used and you're the only post ever, there's no one listening or following. And again, it's a happy balance between having a contextual focused hashtags in terms of what you're talking about. But on the other side, hashtags are meant for visibility and growth. So you need to reverse engineer like women who work or women who work out. Boss mom. Yeah, boss mom. Millions of women are following that. And so you can have your post enter that feed and get visual engagement in front of an audience that is massive. And, and that's how women. you use a hashtag that's not yeah. necessarily aesthetics, injectable. But I Botox. see all the time like cool sculpting. Somebody will say mm-hmm. like freeze the fat away, cool sculpting's awesome is a hashtag. And it's like, but what patient's ever yeah. gonna go on and, and happen to like it's it would be pretty much like hitting the lottery that somebody just types that in. Like I want to follow and cool sculpting freeze fat away. <laughs> Lose weight, it's awesome. It's like, <laughs> um, yeah, and that's what Justin's yeah. talking about. So if you want to be cheekier at personality, which is how that commonly happens, the abuse of hashtags yeah, with yeah, these yeah, hashtags sure. that don't exist, you can find cheeky ways that have target audience following like mom tired. You know, if you want to write something like totally exhausted, but it's still targeting yeah, that maybe, kind of... Maybe it's B12 shots and you're using mm-hmm. hashtag mom tired. That kind so of stuff. it's things yeah. like that. So be creative and utilize hashtags properly. Yeah. Stop hashtag abuse. Yeah, I agree. And so let's go in, let's talk a little bit about, I think that there's another side of it. It's a, an expansive gray area of a market, but if used correctly, can be a powerful tool. And that's when it comes to social media is influencer marketing. What that essentially means is you're lever, leveraging big or small someone else's reach on their social media platforms, their, in, their sphere of influence. So again, I think people get caught up in an influencer means that they have whatever metric you pops in your head, 100,000 or, or a million or whatever it is, followers. And it really actually goes back to influence, sphere of influence. So if you're targeting women 40 to 50 years old for this specific procedure, there may be a mom that is so tied in to a group in your geographical area and she's got a thousand followers, but they're all 40 to 45 year old women who will listen to her if she says, I go to this med spa. And so that's what's really more important is the sphere of influence is the network and the value that's inside of that network and less about they've got a million followers. So I'll get the warm and fuzzies if I get 10,000 likes. Yeah, remember what's important. Now, if you are... You have to set goals with influencer yeah, marketing. Exactly. There's macro and micro influencers. Yeah, and be realistic about it. And sometimes micro is the better option yeah. based on geographical location. And what Justin typically. just talked about, they could be someone with a very large audience that's perfect for you in that area, but only have a certain amount of numbers. Yeah. Pay attention with influencer marketing. What are they pushing on their network? Yeah. Who is their network? You can look at vanity numbers. And if it's so important for you to kind of up your algorithm or engagement yeah. and followers, that's fine. Pick a, a macro influencer that's going to really boost your visibility. But just understand that that's not necessarily for always sure. going to drive new patients. And, and you want to look at authenticity in their feed in terms of who is really commenting on their stuff consistently, who's really engaging on it. Does it feel real? Does it feel authentic? Does it match? 
what you would like to see on your end? Do, does it feel like and look like they have purchasing power sway in terms of like what they say people are going to follow and purchase it? Or is it just because they are in a bikini a whole bunch of times and that's why they got tons of likes? And that's that really that's a, a really good value? point. And that's what I think is really, again, important to focus on is what do you, A, want out of your, your post or your engagement with an influencer? And that is what's really critical in terms of positioning of who you engage with. But again, there's two big reasons to go the influencer out where the value can lie is you're reaching a new audience through that influencer. And the other side is obviously out of it, especially if it's genuine, you're getting a kind of social proof patient testimonial out of it about their experience at the med spa. Again, it's going to be a little skewed from a perceived authenticity standpoint, but there's still a lot of value that can come out of it. Yeah. If you have someone coming in for Botox or lip injections that are micro or macro influencers with a great target audience sharing that before and after, I think you'll definitely see the impact of that marketing. Yeah, absolutely. But it's nothing without content. So let's talk yeah. about that. So yeah, let's talk about the... Because social is a lot, I think, of perceived, build it and they will come. And that's where I think a lot of it falls flat. Uh, when you look at the people that are just crushing it in the med spa and aesthetic space... It's all about consistent and killer content development. And so that's where all of this starts in terms of growing your social. So let's talk a little bit about the process and in particular, the video process, because that's really where you need to be if you're going to have long-term success is before and afters, really good before and afters, and then a lot of video. So we can talk to both of those, how you collect before and afters, and then how you do video. So Mm -hmm. talk to them a little bit about kind of equipment, process of the video creation component of it. And it doesn't have to be a huge production. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. So this is about consistency. I've said this before on the podcast. I say this when I do my speaking events or when I'm consulting. Social media is consistent. It takes a lot of touch points, a lot of engagement to really grow. So in order to do that, it needs to be something you're willing to commit to. And this may involve your staff. A lot of medical spas are very staff involved with their social media. And I think it's great. It adds different sites. But create a workflow and process that's going to work for you. Schedule it out ahead of time and have your provider first and foremost as the leading face and expert. Before and afters are massive. We all know this in the aesthetic space. And it's something you really need to push and think of how you're going to make it a little bit different. You can make it educational, but you have really good imaging lighting, all legally consented to. Make sure you're utilizing the right hashtags with the physician information, make it branded. And um, don't be afraid to really push a niche here too with before and afters. You know, you have different things you really want to focus on in your medical spa. You know, maybe it's cool sculpting, maybe it's injectables, whatever you want it to be. But with before and afters, I think is a really big one. Answer some popular FAQs. We talk about this. And I don't think this is done enough actually in the aesthetic space is educational. People have questions before they do some of these procedures. What does it look like if I have cool sculpting, if I were to gain weight again, is it going to come look funny? I mean, you know, these are important questions. Should I be dieting? Or, you know, how long is Juvederm going to last? How often should I get it? Is this too much? Like start educating as well while using photos that are really good testimonials of your patients. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to now that we've kind of the different types of content is to actually create video, you're going to need a ring light is what I would recommend unless you want to go a step further and get a little bit more of a higher end production value. Again, this is all about realistic. And I think it's realistic to start small and then build and, and get more and more sophisticated. But 
get a ring light. They're on Amazon. They can range from 75 bucks to 300 bucks, but they'll do the job and you'll be able to record point and shoot kind of front face like this in terms of doing like FAQs. You can use it for before and after photos and... Create a studio is another one. Yeah. But a a lot of stuff is going to be built around that chair in the middle of your room when you're doing demos. And Mm -hmm. so you need lighting, you need audio, and then you can definitely do it from your smartphone. Again, it's a good place to start. The fact is that we're talking about you need to just get out there and start doing it. And then you can start moving up your sophistication rungs in terms of getting like a DSLR camera that films in 4K, all of that kind of stuff. But the brand, the iPhone 11s, the iPhone 12s, they can do 4K level video plenty big in terms of going on YouTube and on Instagram. So you can do a lot of it just straight there. And again, I think the most important thing to keep in mind is, as Kelly mentioned, is plan ahead. I would recommend doing most of your content creation, especially on the video side, a month in advance. So what we're doing right now, for instance, even with us, this video and this podcast will be released in July versus trying to do it like the week of and always try to stay ahead of it. If you're planning of doing all of your demos, collecting your before and afters, filming your FAQ videos, all that stuff, say the middle two weeks of June, and then you have a week or two to prep it, and then a month to promote and engage on it. And that's, I think, a really important thing to keep in mind. So let's talk about a little... the We've talked about content. Talk a little bit before we move on from content. The kind of distribution process. We call it the big idea process. And you talk about it a lot, Kelly, is is kind of creating a central theme that you're going to create content around, say, for that month. And the power of kind of content aggregation in terms of taking one idea and turning it into 20 pieces. Kind of talk through that process really quick. So you've heard me talk about it and you will hear me talk about it again. The big idea process is taking content and utilizing it, dissecting it in every single way possible. Now, this answers that hesitation for people creating content out there. I cannot think of that many topics to be that consistent. Well, this is how you don't have to just do one topic, then try to think of another topic and think of another topic. This is about applying this content to different viewers, different audiences, different mediums with even more exceptional insight as an expert by using your provider. So let's say we did a whole piece on injectables. We did a before and after video. We did who's a good candidate, what it looks like after, how long it wears off, different kind of preferences, what you can do, medications, yeah, if you're breastfeeding, things like that. Yeah. You know, Really dive into absolutely every piece, patient testimonials. Yep. You can even do um, how long it takes, whatever it is. So you want to write a blog about this for the SEO juice. And I'm going to let Justin talk about that first. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely would recommend that you start with the main core treatment pages. Injectables are super competitive. So you should have a home page that talks about all the injectables. And then you should have individual pages for each of the individual injectables that you provide. Botox should have a page. Juvederm should have a page. Voluma should have a page. Dysport, all that stuff should all have individual pages. After that, you can go and turn to the blog for long tail search stuff. Like how long does Juvederm last? Those types of things. Who's a good candidate? What does it look like? How should I prepare? Who's not a good candidate? Some possible side effects, what to do if something goes wrong, whatever you want. But I mean, from A to Z, fill this blog out using these keywords and properly, properly optimized for SEO. I say this because it may seem like a lot of work, but this is about to be your explosion and dominance on injectables online with social media. And honestly, writing content takes time. 
you write that blog, a lot of the times the content I post, even as a LinkedIn influencer, is taken from a blog to save me time and then personalized a little. So it can also provide the actual written content you will be using in these videos, these podcasts, these, you know, whatever YouTube videos, whatever you're posting about. So it helps save time on the writing part as well. But you're going to use that blog that we just talked about from A to Z. And A is a video, B is a video, C is a video. They don't have to be long. Remember, the type of platform we're really promoting right now when it comes to medical spa is Instagram. So we're not doing a YouTube video that's 25 minutes long. We're doing a quick video with a big visual impact, education, aha, relatable, or value add without trying to sell. Yeah. And the the advantage that you'll see even in the blogs, because those are major organic traffic drivers, um, or even again, that treatment page that we were talking about, is you can add all of these videos into there. And what it'll do is you'll reap the benefits of increasing your on-page time because people will stop and watch that video that's on the page. And your page can go from, say, people spending a minute and a half on it to spending five, six, seven minutes. And that directly sends signals to Google that this page really thoroughly answers the question for the search result because people are spending seven minutes on it once they click on that organic search result. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind too, because there's another advantage there too, is they consume more content and they stay on your site and that page longer. Yeah. So this is about making the most out of your content and creating scripts, videos, written content out of it. And of course, answering it from A to Z puts you as an expert position. Thought leader makes your viewers feel like they really understand and connect with you. And of course, you just planned your whole month. Yeah, exactly. And before we move on to kind of the next topic is we actually just had a podcast with a urologist that is an exceptional content creator. And he talked about it. We talked about it at length is with all that is said here, and Kelly has mentioned a bunch of different potential topic points, notice none of it focused on selling. It all focused on education or social proof, which was the patient testimonial side of it. Focus on educating and providing value to patients 90% of the time. The other 10% can be book an appointment or come in for a consult, but you're focused on value first, which is what's going to drive engagement and build a no like, and trust relationship with the patients. Then you can use remarketing on advertising, which we'll talk about other methods to push the sell to get them through the door. But if you focus on building a no like, and trust relationship by providing killer content, all the other stuff comes with that. Yeah. So next up, let's talk a little bit about, which is hugely critical, especially considering that med spas are in the elective space, meaning they don't take insurance, it's cash pay. Some of the procedures can be on the pricier end. Reputation is a huge, huge component. And what I mean by reputation is your reviews that are out there online. And it's why it's so critical for medical spas to be really focused on building and protecting their reputation proactively. Yeah. Reputation is important. I mean, I'm certainly not going to go get injectables or Botox or any procedure done that doesn't have a good reputation or little to none, which is something we talk about a lot. There's bad reputation and then there's no reputation, which to me is bad reputation. Yeah, Because your your competition has five stars and 170 reviews. You have five stars and 15, probably going to go to your competitor because I know that it's a little bit more of a proven method. They're probably going to share more experiences. And I personally, I don't know about you, Justin, I always check negative reviews just because I want to kind of feel the room as far as, Are they complaining about things that are out of a provider's service, treatment, or control? And what is the overall negative response? But when there's three negative reviews and 120 positive reviews about their experience 
I mean, it's a no-brainer, right? Yeah, for sure. Most consumers are smart enough now for bad reviews. You can always read a bad review and be like, I, be- I, bet that person, <laughs> I bet that person sends their steak back eight times at a restaurant. So yeah, and, that and that's person. the point of... Yeah. But that's the point of positive reviews. Yeah. I mean, I won't check negative reviews for a completely negative rated physician. And that's the difference when we talked about... Yeah any negative reviews. So if a physician has a three point, this is true. I don't know if you're the same way. And I think viewers are too. If a physician is a three point star, I'm probably not even going to check it out because now it's so competitive, right? There's too many five-star physicians on there with a lot of reviews for me to consider a 3.2 unless I've been personally referred or seen material that I believe looks exceptional. Then I'm even still going to investigate that, that review process. I'm going to see what, what is going on here. So it's about actively collecting reviews that are positive and um, being competitive. And it matters. I think this is like top, top as far as how much it matters because med spas is all cash-based. There's really not much in the referral ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So you're going all direct to consumer. So it's very consumerized. So it just, it's going to be fundamental to the decision-making process because there's really going to be kind of two things. Like if somebody's looking for Botox, it's either going to be price-driven or quality-driven. One of the two. So they're either going to be willing to pay more because you've got great reviews, you've got a great reputation, all of that stuff, or it's going to be purely like, I want the $8, not the $10 Botox. And again, that's a decision that the consumer has to make, but it's going to, reviews are going to greatly influence that process. 80 to 90% of them are going to check reviews. And the other side of it that we didn't talk about that will lead into the SEO component, reviews, especially Google reviews, are probably now the largest influencer of ranking your Google My Business at the top in that local three-pack, what we call map pack. If you want to show up in there for med spa near me or Botox near me or Juvederm near me or cool sculpting near me, the list goes on, dermaplaning, you need to have strong a strong case. And to build that strong case, you need strong reviews. And so that's another important side of it we didn't talk about is it's going to influence patient books, but the only way you get patient books is visibility and showing up high in search. And the only way you do that is by having a good reputation. Yeah. And um, here's another thing that I think when we're talking about reviews and reputation, so the truth of it too, med spas are competing with plastic surgeons. Yeah. And so what is the differentiator for a patient besides price? Because remember, this is about creating value and becoming a thought leader that you have above a plastic surgeon. And I think a lot of the times what med spas don't communicate well enough, even in their reviews, is that when somebody is a trained provider of this treatment and does it a thousand times a day, they can actually be more exceptional than maybe a plastic surgeon that really doesn't focus on this. And mostly a lot of plastic surgeons anyways, are giving it, you know, to their trained, to their yeah, their estheticians, yeah. trained estheticians. So I think it's just important to also communicate in your reviews, you know, why so and so is so great, how that experience mattered, as well as your content. Yeah, for sure. Like we had, we had a med spa that did more Voluma than anyone in the southeast. They were in the top like 0.1 percent of all um, allergen providers in the country, and that was a big thing. Is that their main nurse practitioner uh, was a master trainer for allergen, meaning she was literally teaching plastic surgeons and facial plastic surgeons the art of injectables. Mm-hmm. Like she was that good, and so yeah. that's what we really stressed is if you want to see the best of the best go to the person that's training the best of the best. And that's an important thing to remember, um, just like you said. So I think 
Let's get into more of the kind of technical stuff like the paid ads and the SEO side of things. And we've talked about, again, how reputation does correlate to higher search rankings. That's what we call kind of off-site local SEO. So we'll talk a little bit about on-site yeah. search Tell engine, us a little bit, search Justin, engine optimization. what that looks like in the yeah. medical spa process. I mean, this is a really competitive... Super competitive. Competitive field, which is something else we didn't talk about. I mean, probably... I want to go as far as say the most competitive that we've seen as a marketing company with some of these keywords. For sure. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're in a larger markets that big aesthetics cities, are big, yeah. big cities. Uh, we've obviously spent years and years in Atlanta, med spa was, LA too. Was, was very, very highly competitive, not only because of the number of med spas, but the number of facial plastic and full body plastic surgery practices. When you lump all of those together, you've got a ton of people fighting for elbow room mm -hmm. at the top of organic search. And there's only one in your geographical area person that ranks number one for micro needling, laser hair removal, whatever it is outside of paid ads, which we'll get to in a second. So it's really, really critical here versus if you're in a rural area or you're an orthopedic surgeon there, I mean, the, the med spa area, you have to cross, check all the boxes. And so Without getting overly technical, the most important thing, and I think it's the most important stake, mistake, is make sure you're focusing on the right keyword for every page. If you're a med spa, your homepage needs to go after medical spa, medical med spa near me. Like That's what your homepage should be ranking for. And then use your treatments pages, cool sculpting, microneedling, whatever it is, to rank for each of those conditions. I think all too often we see people try to be too many things on their homepage and it ends up just everything falling flat. You're pulling away from your treatment pages, you're not getting the value out of your homepage, all of that. So focus on homepage ranks for who you are. Who are you? You're a med spa. And your treatment pages rank for what do you do? I do cool sculpting, I do Botox, I do Juvederm, I do all of these different things that you provide and again, the more competitive your market, the more thorough those pages need to be. And I'm talking Botox. If you want to rank, it's probably going to need to take a, it's going to take a thousand words. You're going to have to answer like Kelly was just talking about all of the information, lots of FAQs, all of that stuff to even really have a fighting chance to rank well for that. Essentially, everything that Google Suggest has on the word Botox yeah, needs yeah, yeah. to be for in real. This that, blog. That's what I would recommend. Well, not even a blog. This is a, a treatment page yeah, treatment in your page. main menu where right. it says injectables and they click on Botox. It is that service page. You can write supporting blogs, yeah. which is good, but the cornerstone piece of content that you're trying to rank is your treatment needs page. to be a page, a treatment page. Yep. And then... With all of that said, the other important consideration is if you are multi-location, your geographical rankings are going to be driven by your individual location pages. So that's really important. If you have more than one location, you need an individual page for each individual location you have because that's how you're going to win the near me searches in those markets. Mm -hmm. So again, to, re, to kind of reiterate, make sure that you're not killing yourself by trying to rank the wrong pages for the wrong things or too many things. So get really clear on which keyword you want each page on your website to rank for. And if you want to rank for it, you need a page for it. And what I mean by that is if you want to rank for Botox, you need a really thorough page for Botox. You can't just lift, list it on a services or list it on an injectables or fillers page and call it a day. So I think that's my little soapbox for for SEO, but it's a, a really important because it's super important. Though. You can drive, and we've seen it time and again with as many med spas as we worked with in large markets. You can drive 
literally thousands of potential patients and hundreds of thousands of dollars just in organic search. But on top of that, it leads us into the next topic is when you rank well in organic search, it allows you to remarket those people through paid advertising. And so that'll lead us to kind of the next topic on paid advertising and how you can use paid advertising and you don't have to waste a bunch of money doing it if you do it the right way. And I think talk to them a little bit, Kelly, because it, it kind of is in the same exact bucket as organic social media is the difference between a hard ask. People go after a hard ask too often. Yeah. Well, I think there's two things with paid advertising and social media. The best part about social media is I, I love the way they can make it more native to the platform. So I think in the past, it used to be really obvious this is an advertisement. Yeah. Not that people don't know it's an advertisement, but they've been able to promote some of your advertising in a more native way where it feels like it's part of your feed. Okay. So we want to go off that idea. So when it says flash sale, you know, 50% off Botox, that's not what we're talking about. Because I've created a platform where it feels like it's part of your feed, it's a really good idea to warm them up to you, to who your medical spa is. You want to add value to this, kind of reel them in, educate them on what you provide. So try to avoid that hard sale and go off what these social media platforms are trying to offer as far as a home feed. So when you're on your home feed and you're learning or educating, you like videos or content that you can relate to that give you an aha moment or that you find value from or fun things you can engage and interact with. I think that when it comes to paid advertising, this is the key. Remember, it's going in your feed. It looks like just a whole nother feed of someone you follow. So having that in mind, I think a really great way to utilize paid advertising for medical spas are videos, downloads, quizzes, resources, ways to get them familiar with who you are first and which they feel like all it is is value. And then from there, you can kind of what Justin calls it, date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the one of the biggest mistakes that we see in advertising is trying to marry before you date, mm-hmm. especially social advertising. Search is different. Uh, Google search ads are based on search intent and bidding, bidding on keywords. What's fantastic about that is you know from a buyer standpoint, a potential patient, that they've got some level because they're out there proactively searching on Google for like how much does Botox cost or whatever it may be. So they've identified themselves as a, even a semi-warm and the, they're the ones that are going out there and searching. And so it's great there. Uh, you have to keep in mind a lot of the stuff going back to SEO is highly competitive in larger markets. So it can be expensive to go after very broad match keywords, like just trying to rank at the top of every of every search for Botox. So you need to be really specific about what you're looking, what you're trying to show up for on the search side. Going back to what Kelly was saying on the social side, I think the biggest mistake in social is if you look at what how social presents its ads. Social is, media dark posts, right? Is you're putting, well, you're putting an ad in front of someone's face. Mm-hmm. So you're like, look at this, look at this, look at this. For a search, they're going and searching, yeah, seeing that's it, a big clicking difference. on yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good, so yeah, that's you a good have point. to use that to your advantage. Meaning the big mistake people make on social is they go after hard ask, just straight out of the gate, like book an appointment with us. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I don't even know who you are. They go straight after marriage versus ever dating. 
And that's where what Kelly was saying, you need to warm them up. And you do that through promoting a Facebook Live. You do that by offering some value, whether it's a, a downloadable or it's a quiz or it's... 10 of the most popular skincare techniques that make you, you know, that help resist aging. Yeah, you know, or a like, quiz, like is cool sculpting right. right for me? Like, and they can take a quiz about it and then you know they're interested. And that is a great way to engage them with a very low barrier to entry. They don't feel like they have to make a, a yes or no decision between booking an appointment or not. Mm-hmm. And But the key there is, is those are what we call kind of cold audience focused ads. So they're not ready to make a purchase decision. So that's where marketing automation comes in. And that means just because somebody's filled out a cool sculpting quiz, going back to that reference, does not mean that they're ready to spend thousands of dollars on cool sculpting. So you need to put them in an email nurture sequence to warm them up and get build a no like and trust relationship and get them ultimately through. And the when he's saying email nurture sequence, he's not saying now that they filled out the form, you send them the deals that you have that week in cool sculpting. He's saying create something that is educational again, value based, yep. to warm them up a few more times so that you can figure out are they really the right candidate? And also be aware that people will unsubscribe. And that's a good thing. Let me tell you, because you're, you're defining who is going to become a patient and pay you for your services. So let them unsubscribe. That means they're not a fit. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. And the other side, so you've got kind of your cold funnel, which needs to focus at the top of the funnel on door openers, value-based stuff, downloadables, quizzes, uh, maybe some of those killer blog posts and patient testimonial videos, the a soft introduction to who we are, and then you get them into a nurture sequence. The other side, which is always 99.9% of the time with all of our experience, the cheapest in terms of getting appointments booked is your warm audience. And that is where it's really valuable to build an organic social following and engagement through the content we talked about earlier and the organic traffic through the SEO stuff we talked about. Because both of those audiences, you can remarket them using social ads or display ads. And that means that they're already familiar with your brand. They've liked posts on your social media. They've commented on your social media. They've typed in an organic search, Botox costs near me, went on your website and read about it. And then you can remarket them. Well, and I'm just piggybacking. Absolutely, yeah. Justin. Piggybacking on that. And you mentioned this, but I don't think we really defined it because we keep using the examples of injectables. Um, and Botox, but like just because you have an advertisement for Botox, don't put them in a funnel for veins. You know, so you have to, the important here is that you're trying to drive patients through the door. Get really super specific with these paid ads so that you understand what type of audience you have warmed up to. And we said, date them, educate them, provide value. Just because they're interested in injectables doesn't mean that they're going to want to know veins. And so remember the type of audience and how you're using those paid ads because you can get an unsubscribe from somebody who really is probably more of a candidate for injectables if the next four emails are all about banks. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And And then you've lost a potential. And that's a good point with retargeting too, is the retargeting you can get really, really specific um, with the way that the tracking um, apparatuses work for, again, going back to say Facebook as an example, where you can deliver a cost-based like money-saving promotional ad to somebody that visited the Juvederm page. So bam, all of a sudden in their feed is $150 off of Juvederm. But you shouldn't have delivered that to them first, potentially. Maybe it was, again, some of the value-based content or they were searching and did some research on the Juvederm page, they found you organically, and then you served them up with a a, an immediate decision-making style ad 
But again, that was delivered to somebody who was very warm. Mm -hmm. So with all of that said, as we're kind of... And then I also, I guess the one other thing I didn't mention about email is I do recommend having a monthly newsletter, newsletter for, for med spas is you want to keep a touch point on your whole entire patient base. And the other side about email too, is you do want to make sure you have a good uh, retention program in terms of there's Reward, a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there that uh, automate it. Well, even more like Botox, you have to get like, say every six months. Do you have an automated process to three reach months. out and say or three months? <laughs> I don't get Botox. Um, <laughs> Every three months, do you have an automated process that actually reaches out to the patient and reminds them to get their Botox? Yeah. Because if you don't, like we just did a report for a med spa that's a newer client of ours, and they ran a report for patients from six months to 18 months that had not been in the practice, and it maxed out at 1,000. Now, if you can get 10% of those people to start showing up again, that is a massive, massive found revenue that you didn't have to go out and spend money on paid advertising, on organic social media, on content, none of it. You simply just got old patients back through the door. And define your goal with that. That's a good point because um, I have worked for a medical spa clinic back in my day where um, they did a Botox promotion every three months. So here's the thing about that. That works. Patients came back, but the same exact patients came yeah. back to redo their Botox. And so there wasn't a huge uptick A in new patients or even revenue. So try to be strategic at least with some of these. For sure. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And the other side of that too is... You're not going to upsell to them if they're always looking for the promo every three months. Think either. about your funnel too. Uh, this is another critical from a patient retention standpoint is you need to, in a med spa especially, be able to move your patients from point A to point B. What I mean is Botox is the gateway drug, right. so to speak. That's what I'm saying. Like most people do not walk into a med spa and get or, either, or skip the med spa, so to speak, in terms of getting Botox and go straight to a facelift. Like there's, there, are, there are things that typically people start out in and then you move them through. And that number, like say moving Botox to filler patients, the goal typically is the 40 to 50% range. 40 to 50% of patients that get Botox, ideally in your med spa in terms of numbers, you should be moving them to fillers. And so if you're way below that, like you're at 15%, you're missing potentially up to 35% revenue generation, big of, especially in fillers of moving Botox patients yeah. to filler patients. And so make sure again, you have an email automation process to educate them on why they should add fillers to their Botox regimen. Okay. Well, let's wrap it up with a really important, maybe the most important part. So we told you how, what you need to be doing, but it's all for naught if we are not tracking if it is working or how it's working, who it's targeting and where we can improve. So not only does tracking tell you if your marketing's working, but it can also help us really, really make the most of our marketing efforts. So Justin, take it away. Yeah. So tracking is, as Kelly just mentioned, it's super, super critical. Uh, I won't get too far into the details. Uh, Google Analytics is a must. You need that uh, up on your website. It's how you track all of your website traffic. Uh, it's how you track goals. Google Analytics 4 is, is now called conversions. But essentially, you can track like all of your form fills. You can track events. You can track call tracking, which we'll talk about in a second, all through Google Analytics. So I would highly recommend that you get Google Analytics as a must. Uh, Google Search Console is another free tool Google provides that will help track your organic success. Again, all these are free tools. And then 
I'd say call tracking is probably the biggest overlooked thing. Yeah. There's a ton. There's call metrics, call rail. There's If you just go on and look at call tracking software, there's a ton of different options out there. Why I say that is if you're not tracking your calls, you're missing 50% or more of your data potentially. And it'll tell you where your calls being generated from. Are they from Google My Business? Are they from organic search? Are they from mm-hmm. social media traffic? Are they from direct And this traffic? matters because you're kind of deciding yeah. where you're going to put the most bang in your buck. For sure. Or even departments that are yeah. managing different things or agencies. So Justin, give you some really easy and quick examples how you can start tracking. And then we have a podcast about what to track. So you guys should check that yeah, out. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we have another podcast about what to track. So make sure to go look at some of our previous episodes. We've talked about tracking on more, multiple occasions in great detail. Oh. But I'd say track your form fills in terms of con- goal conversions and track your calls as goal conversions. I would recommend setting your calls for a minute or more because otherwise you're going to get a bunch of vanity metrics of people calling in and hanging up or the call lasts for 15 seconds, that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah, so um, that is the med spa marketing uh, strategies that we highly recommend and that we use day in and day out for our clients to great success. Obviously, if you're listening to this and you're a med spa owner looking to um, really ratchet up your growth to, to end out this year or just kind of in the future grow, reach out to Kelly or I either on LinkedIn or on entropy.com and we are more than happy to help. We've got tons of experience in this space. Thanks for listening as always. And mention this podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategy strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks. Check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.